Welcome to the Lucky Let Court Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express. I'm your host, Chris Otto, joining you on Monday, March 4th, a very exciting Monday in the tennis world, as it is the unofficial kickoff of tennis's version of March Madness. Indian Wells, Miami, back-to-back this month, mayhem on the North American tennis courts, and we're very excited to bring it all to you on TennisNow.com. We're also excited to bring you a very special guest today. She is a former world number 79 in singles, a former world number 33 in doubles with three titles and nine finals to her name. And also, a lot of people don't know this, she is the winningest doubles player in Ukraine Fed Cup history. We're talking about Olga Savchuk, who retired last year after a stellar 14-year WTA career. Very excited to speak with Olga about the future of Ukrainian tennis now with three Ukrainian women in the top 40 and also about her future, her future as a commentator, a broadcaster, a coach, and maybe even down the road, a Fed Cup captain. Who knows? We'll get to that interview shortly. For now, a little breakdown of the week that was in tennis. like to skip directly ahead to my interview with Olga Savchuk, you can scroll up to the four-minute mark of the podcast. For now, let's talk about the week that was in tennis and what a week it was in tennis. Hashtag RF100. The Swiss maestro breaks through and finally claims career title number 100. He's now the second ATP player to win 100 titles. And Roger Federer did it in style taking out Stefano Tsitsipas, one of the rising forces in the game in the final. So this wasn't just about, you know, Roger Federer in the twilight of his career, finally getting to 100 titles just as he starts to contemplate retirement. This was about Federer taking out the man who beat him at the Australian Open and proving that he is ready to be a force in the game this season and ready to compete for big titles in 2019. So great news for Federer. Also a great reaction on social media. His legions of fans were out in droves. So many entertaining and emotional moments out there. People really embracing this, and it was beautiful. Over in Acapulco, there was something beautiful going on as well. A phenom named Nick Kyrgios swept through that town with just an just an undeniable energy and, and, and an edge. And he took, stormed to that title, and he put forth the best performance of his career. I had always thought that 2016 Tokyo was Kyrgios' best performance, and I worried that maybe it would go down as his best performance ever when it was all said and done. But boy, did Nick Kyrgios come through with some amazing tennis and some amazing entertainment. There's a reason they call this guy box office, and he proved it on the court in Acapulco. I mean, he the banter with the fans, the drama in it, and the controversy in his matches, and the just unbelievable, sublime, surreal tennis that he played under pressure, took out three top 10 players, took out Rafael Nadal, took out Alexander Zverev in the final, knocked off John Isner, also took out Stan Wawrinka, but it was the energy, it was the character of these victories, the tension, the drama that made you realize why it is so unbelievable to see Nick Kyrgios perform at his very best. It doesn't happen often, but it happened this weekend in Acapulco. It was truly amazing. So there you have it. Another phenomenal week in the world of tennis. And of course, a phenomenal March Madness coming up. Now we'll skip to my interview with Olga Savchuk. (music) 
Our next guest on the Lucky Let Cord podcast is a 14-year WTA pro, veteran of over 70 Grand Slam matches, an Olympian, and a player that retired last summer as the winningest doubles player in Ukraine's Fed Cup history. It's Olga Savchuk. How are you doing today, Olga? Hi, very well. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for ha- taking time to speak with us today. Um, you, you probably had an idea of what you wanted your retirement to be like before you ended your career last summer, but... Now that you're actually retired, has it been anything like what you imagined? Yeah, I mean, I was planning that for over a year and I was thinking what I'm going to do because I didn't want to stop and uh, be shocked (laughs) that I don't know what to do uh, afterwards. So I was planning a few things that I'm going to be involved in tennis, definitely, but I didn't know exactly what I'm going to do. So I gave myself after I stopped at the US Open like three months break. And just, uh, yeah, rested and thought about everything, all possibilities that I have. And, uh, now, yeah, I mean, now I'm doing a bit of commentating, a bit of coaching, uh, Fed Cup management. So I'm really happy about that. I'm quite busy, <laughs> busier than I was. Oh, cool. Yeah, these are all things I wanted to speak with you about. Actually, I know you take great pride in playing for your country and you did so well representing Ukraine at Fed Cup, the Olympics, and all the tour level events You know, throughout your 14-year career. You must be really thrilled right now to see that there are three players, three women from your country inside the top 40. Things are really going well for Ukrainian women's tennis, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm so happy about it because for me, Fed Cup and Olympics takes a special place in my heart and I always love to play for my country. And now seeing that so many young girls, uh, you know, in the top 100, top 200, and we have a great team now. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about it. And a lot of people are asking about this uh, Ukrainian phenomenon, but right. uh, why it's happening like this, but um, I can't really explain. But I just, I, I think it's just a natural flow that, uh, better players create more players. Right. I mean, we had Elena Svitolina pass uh, Alona Bondarenka as the top-ranked Ukrainian woman ever. And honestly, if you if you forecast ahead two, three years with Yastremska, with Marta Kostyuk, with the way that Serenko is playing as well, there could be four Ukrainian women in the top 20 two or three years down the road. Yeah, I was just checking myself ranking today, and I saw that Elena uh, is number six, uh, then Tarenko is number 23 or 24, and then Yastrzemska is 36. I mean, they're getting closer to each other, and it's just great to see. And, you know, I think in uh, my days when Bondarenko was playing as well, it was less social media, so people in Ukraine knew much less about tennis. And now with Elena doing so much publicity, when she is back in Ukraine, uh, she gave all the interviews that she's been asked, uh, all the, you know, appearances. And I think she does just does great job to, yeah, to... Uh, to improve the people knowledge about tennis in Ukraine. So that's why more and more young girls come and play, you know, and they all want to be like her. And uh, Lesa Terenko is for many years being in top 50, you know, it's, it's just amazing. Yeah, I really like her game style. Let's talk about Elena Svitolina, though, because I know you have a great friendship with her. And I actually listened to you commentate her quarterfinal match from Doha a couple of weeks ago, and you said so many interesting things. It was Anybody who has a chance should go back and look at the video of that, uh, of that match if they want to learn more about Elena. But you talked about her mentality and how that is really the thing that makes her stand out above the rest, just her, her ability to be strong mentally. Can you comment on that a little bit? Where, the, where do you think that came from? 
Yeah, you know, I, I, she comes from the family with the older brother who also played tennis. He is my age, and I remember him, but didn't remember her that well. Mm. But uh, when she started, I think she already had a, you know, a brother to look for, and she always, she told me that she always uh, wanted to be better. So, <laughs> because all the attention was going to her brother, you know, in the family when he was playing tennis, and growing up, she just wanted to. Uh, yeah, her parents to pay attention to her as well, hmm. and I think uh, she developed that character that she, she wants to be there, she wants to be noticed, uh, and it's just amazing when I become friends with Alina, I was just uh, like really shocked in a good way how focused she is on every single practice she does, every single ball she plays, uh, either it's going to the gym or it's eating, or it's, you know, everything is about being better in tennis so all her day is like everything goes to be better in tennis so it's just inspiring yeah i think you said it really well on the broadcast you call, you said she has the mind of a warrior yeah <laughs> i mean uh she's also i know she reads a lot about uh these things and uh she, I think, I think, I don't know that, but I think she works a lot uh, on her mentality, and I know that she just hates to lose, and mm -hmm. that I think is the biggest thing about her. Well, here's a true or false question for you. It's just a matter, of, true or false, it's just a matter of time before Elena Svitolina wins a major title. True. How come? Uh, I mean, she's just have unbelievable level of of the game she's the best i would say the best defender on the tour and she have quite stable psychology for the game so i think it's just a matter of the time yes i, I tend to agree with you i know i know she takes some criticism for the fact that she's gone 26 majors now and hasn't reached the semi but she does have four quarterfinals and all in the recent last few years. And you have to think if she keeps giving herself chances at that level, the slam, she's bound to break through, right? Yeah, and definitely it's so difficult to play with all this pressure around. You know, like uh, obviously players these days, they see and read stuff about themselves, good stuff and bad stuff as well. And I think it puts a lot of pressure on them. And everybody is asking for probably every interview she gives when she's going to win it. So it's not easy to play with this pressure. And I think she does it really well. And some players do it earlier, some players do it later. So I think it's just a question of time. to agree with you and you know here's a yeah. question she's probably going to get so much in, in the upcoming months about her relationship with Gael Monfi you've been around the tour for so long <laughs> and you, you've seen it all out there and I even heard that you might even want to write a book about that we'll talk about that later but <laughs> what does love what what can love potentially do for a player in a relationship like this can, can it be a positive or might it be a distraction for her I think uh, in general for players it could be both, but for her in this case, I think for both of them it's positive thing because they both do uh, the same thing, you know, they both are at the same level. 
and they understand each other. They know when somebody is tired, when somebody needs to be more focused. You know, it's always easier to be in a relationship when you're doing the same thing and you're in the same environment. So I think it's a positive thing in, in their case. Yeah. So far, it seems. I mean, they they play the same tournament, so they are not uh, sad that they're away of each other for a long time. So that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I was hoping you could help me unravel a little bit of the mystery about 18-year-old Diana Yastremska, who is now 36 in the world. I know you probably haven't had a chance to see her that much on tour, but from what I've seen, she seems to be a very explosive player with a lot of upside and could potentially be a top 10, maybe even a number one player. What is? What are some of your initial takeaways on her game? And um, is there anything that you see in Yastremska that you really like at this age? Yeah, you know, I knew her for a few years already since she's a new young player coming up. When I played the last few years, I heard about her, saw her a few times. Uh, but now at Fed Cup, I really had a chance to see her closely, you know, on the practices and during the match uh, match as well. And I'm really impressed. And I <laughs> never saw someone like that at age of 18 being that uh, good during the match. I mean, she just played the game. She knows what she's going to do exactly. She follows the tactic and uh, she just do it no matter how how well it's going or not. She has the, you know, the face of the winner. <laughs> she doesn't get pissed. Mm-hmm. She doesn't pay attention on the mistakes, and just she just keeps following her tactic and uh, game plan. And uh, yeah, and she just she just played the game, and she's not distracted, but by but by anything. Yeah, I'm I'm just impressed about that. How professional she is at this young age, and her game, I think, is very mature as well for her age. Yeah, very very powerful young player, and also very powerful. Yeah, yeah, very impressed by both her power off of both wings and her the strength and the physicality of her body already. The movement that I've seen from her, she, she looks to, like she could be a real strong player. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, she's very powerful, very explosive, very quick, and I think the character as well, very good character for the tennis. Oh yeah, it looks like she hates to lose, just like Elena Svitolina does. Is... Yes, yes. <laughs> it looks like it's the Ukrainian thing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is. Yeah, that's funny. Um, c- couple questions about Fed Cup because I know it's near and dear to your heart. Two part question: One, uh, you're involved with Fed Cup, which I which you told me already, which is great news. Do you think uh, maybe someday you'll be in line for a captaincy? And two, are you worried a little bit about the state of Fed Cup given what we've seen happen to the Davis Cup on the men's side of things? Yeah, for on the first question you ask, I think I need uh, more years of practice being around Fed Cup because uh, to play Fed Cup and being a uh, like captain or coach is completely different thing. It's very difficult. It's uh, yeah. Uh, so I think I would need some more years to be around it and uh, to see how it works <laughs> to be a good uh, coach or captain in the future. Okay. Uh, yeah, and the second thing, I mean, I hope it's not going to change because I really like the old style of uh, Fed Cup. I think it's a history and I'm a fan of history. So even if it's going to be some new changes, I hope it's going to be still the same importance as it is now for the players. Yep. And last but not least, let's let's chat a little bit about your new comment 
Terry Gig, um, I think you're doing a great job in the booth so far. Do you have more planned? And what has it been making this transition from a player to a commentator? Yeah, I hope I did a good job. It's good that you're saying this because I hate to hear myself, so I never do it. And uh, I try not to hear myself. <laughs> so, uh, But I got a lot of yeah, messages from players and they were saying as well uh, good things about it. So I was uh, thrilled to hear that. Uh, I was, I was always. I like TV a, a lot. I did a bunch of uh, videos of myself and of my teammates uh, during my career. Okay. And I always like to do it fun. And I always knew uh, that I'm gonna do something for TV, but uh, I didn't know it's gonna be commentating. And uh, I attend few meetings the WTA during uh, does for us during the year, and one of them was broadcast. So I got interested and then I talked to them and I said that I'm thinking about it in the future when I stop my career. And when it actually happened, I said, okay, I'm going to give it a try. And yeah, I just went for it for a trial match first. And then I think they liked it. And uh, now I'm hoping to do more events this year. And I'm actually, when I did Doha events, I, I was really happy about it. And I liked it a lot. Oh. I like to speak about tennis and about girls, you know. Right. Great, yeah. A lot, a lot of them, yeah, a lot of them are my friends, so it's really easy for me to talk about them. Yeah, I can certainly sense that. You enlightened me on a lot of different things. And like tennis, commentating is an art. Have you given much thought to the art of commentating and what, you know, and what your role in this kind of game would be like in the future? No, I, I wasn't thinking about it yet because I didn't know how it's going to go. But now I think it's time to think about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, tennis fans like a little bit of silence. You you can never be afraid of the silence, right? And I and I detected that you weren't. It's it's okay to to not have anything to say for a point or two, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. I think uh, you don't have to comment every single point. Yeah. Especially if you end up in a three-hour match. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's uh, it's. Uh, I think. Uh, what I can bring more, it's more about personalities of the players because you know them all uh, rather than just uh, commentating about technical stuff. I think fans are also more interested about that part as well because yeah, they don't know uh, players yeah, from the outside you know, of the court. Yeah, so I think it's interesting yeah, to, to describe players from the, yeah, you know, from inside. Excellent. And uh, last question for you. We're about to embark on this crazy March Madness for tennis, Indian Wells in Miami. Uh, anything you're really looking forward to seeing on the women's side in the next month? Uh, I'm going there to work with uh, again with my teammates, Kitchenock sisters, uh, as a coach. So, yeah, I'm more focused about my job now, but okay. I'm hoping that the Ukrainian girls are going to do great this uh, two weeks. Uh, yeah, so didn't think much about <laughs> what's going to be surprises or not. Oh, no problem. Yeah, and I think, you know what? I think the Ukrainian women will do quite fine if the the trend is likely to continue. So, Olga, I want to yeah. thank you for taking time out and speaking with us, and I hope that we get to do it again down the road. Best of luck with your coaching this month and with your commentating <laughs> this year. Thank you. Thank you so much. This edition of the Lucky Let Cord podcast is a wrap. 
special thanks to our special guest, Olga Savchuk. We'll be looking forward to hearing her commentating from WTA Charleston and WTA Stuttgart in the very near future. I want to remind you guys that you can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. It would mean a lot to us. You can also follow us on Spotify or at our podcast homepage at podomatic.com. Also check us out on social at tennis underscore now on Twitter, facebook.com slash tennis now on Facebook. You can hit us on Instagram. And of course, come to the website, www.tennisnow.com. We'll be heading to Indian Wells for the BMP Paribas Open tomorrow, and we'll be there until the end of the tournament. So keep it tuned to the Lucky Let Court Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you from Indian Wells.